0: All right, folks. Welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have a special guest. We have Benjamin Tan with us. He's the author of Consume Your Own Tech. He's also an investor, an accredited anagram practitioner, writer, former investment banker at Credit Suisse AG and UBS, and an ex-buy side at Oak Tree Capital Management. Uh, Benjamin is here to talk to us about investing as well as enanagrams. And I think I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that. But uh, Benjamin, thank you for joining us today. And maybe you could help. Maybe let's talk a little bit about your background and help correct me if I'm mispronouncing that.
1: Oh, well, thank you for the uh, very generous introduction. And you did pronounce it correctly. It is Enneagram. There are some variations here and there, but it's on the ballpark. And, you know, on my background, I think you cover it pretty well. Uh, I just want to add that I'm also a, a master's student at Mercy University doing clinical mental health at the moment because it's, it's an area that I'm passionate about and I hope to do more in that area in the years to come. So, yeah, I mean, my background is very much financial driven as, uh, you know, I spent more than 10 years in various banking and buy-side institutions. And right now I'm based out of the U.S., you know, I still manage my portfolio on a very active basis, but I'm also doing a lot of writing on the side, including on my blog, and I'm writing a book. Well, hopefully what will become a book at the moment is still a manuscript, which, you know, talks about the intersection between psychology and investing, um, two of my passions in life. And, you know, I'm excited to be here to talk Thanks. about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this too. So, I guess the first question that kind of pops to mind is: yeah. you have a lot of experience in investing, and you've done, you know, working with some pretty high-profile companies. Where did this idea of the intersection between investing and kind of our psychology? When did that start to kind of coalesce in your mind? Is that something you discovered right away, like, hey, this is really important, or is this something you kind of came to a realization over time?
1: I think I've always had a peripheral understanding of it, but. Only on paper and in theory, rather than being able to relate to my prior actions to certain psychological biases that I possess. It was, you know, more or less a journey for me. You know, just sometime at the end of 2021 or around that time period, you know, I was very curious about doing inner work on myself, you know, being in, in America, mental health is a very big subject. And, you know, I, I was exposed to more conversations and more topics. And one of the things that that came up was personality typing. And, you know, the Enneagram is one of the foremost um, typologies out there. And coincidentally, my husband and I, we both discovered the, uh, the theory at the same time, him through his life coach, and mine through my just general reading and research. And as I got more and more into the, the personality theory, I came to realize, you know, my own sort of blind spots and fixations and obsessions and how they correlate to my upbringing and childhood. And then I also started to, to, to see some resemblance between some of the actions that are typical of my type with the investing actions that I used to take, you know, or are taking, or, you know, intend to take. And so the the overlap is very interesting. I mean, the typology is meant to be, it's meant to have many different use cases. And a lot of the use cases currently are about, you know, self-development and relationships, but not so much about your relationship with money and financial related sort of like subject matters. And so, you know, it it got me interested to explore the intersection between the two. And, you know, it just became something that I started to dig more into and started to have this idea of hey you know maybe I should write more about it you know turn it into a, a side project so to speak and, and that was how it began to
0: kind of develop from that point oh that's awesome so maybe for people that aren't familiar with what we're kind of you know starting to dive into can you give like a an overview of what a, a nanogram is and kind of how they work and I guess the idea behind them
1: yeah, sure. I mean, um, I think most people have heard of the, the Myers-Briggs test, you know, so, you know, whether or not you're an ENTJ or, yeah. or one of those things. It's very similar to the Myers-Briggs. So the Enneagram has, instead of 16 types, I believe that's what the Myers-Briggs has. The Enneagram has nine types. And we're talking about nine archetypes that has its own, each with its own unique. Um, set of biases and and fixations and worldviews and fears and feelings or gut instincts. And, you know, each one is pretty unique, but they're all sort of like interrelated as well, because all human beings have three faculties. We have our emotions, our thoughts and our gut instincts. And so the nine types are really representational of the different combinations of the three. So you have three types that are more gut driven. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have three types that are more feelings driven. And then you have three types that are more head driven. And because, you know, each one is, has its own constitution of how they deal with information and how they deal with interactions with the world and how they deal with relationships with with others, it makes it very interesting. So for example, if I'm a head type, so I'm very much driven by my thoughts, but at the same time, it implies that my ability to relate to to things on a visceral level and on an emotional level um, may not be as advanced as somebody who is, you know, of the other types. So that, that that's sort of like the o- brief overview of the personality typology. And no one is just purely one type. I mean, we all have shades of other mm. behaviors and biases of, of, of the other personality types. But, you know, I think each of us has a core type. that drives We do. It. Okay.
0: Yeah. So... When you say a core type, does that mean that that's what drives kind of our thought processes and our behaviors and then more of the, I guess, the other two, I guess, dimensions influence it subtly? Is that kind of how that works?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, it's sort of like, for example, if you're sort of like uh, somebody who is a perfectionist, for example, I mean, you're very, very much driven because you have a very clear sense of what's right, what's wrong, based on whatever yardstick, you know, that person may be using. And that becomes a dominant force in um, determining the actions, the feelings and the thought processes of that individual. Not to say that, you know, they don't apply the emotional or their mental faculties, but it just means that they're more inclined, if, especially if they're not as self-aware, they're more inclined to be driven by that sort of instincts, um, which drive them and it influences the way that they behave at work or the way that they interact with their friends or, you know, how they identify as their life mission, you know, for example. Right.
0: Yeah. So I guess another question that kind of springs to mind is yeah. I took the test on your website and I've done it yeah. twice now and it came cool. back with the same results. I'm a nine, which means that I am a, oh, as a peacemaker, right? Yeah. And I think it's right on Mark. So I guess the question is, is that because I'm that, does that mean like other types will bleed into that and affect how I think about things, how I react to things, especially when we're talking about investments? Like if I'm, if I'm thinking, should I buy Google or not? Do (laughs) other parts of, of my personality kind of bleed into the peacemaker or is the peacemaker the, the part of me that's really driving whether I should buy Google or not?
1: Well, you know, I think the natural inclination of a peacemaker type like yours is to actually have um, peace, as as the name suggests. You know, you want to be able to approach life with ease and relationships are important to you, you know, and and each type you have the healthy range and the unhealthy range. So somebody who is very self-aware, you know, within your typology, you know, may value relationships, you know, very highly, you know, in, in, in wanting positive um, productive relationships but at the same time they don't forget themselves and so they are constantly looking to advance their own agenda as well mm-hmm. and so they will acquire you know as far as investments are concerned they don't just leave it to like you know oh my employers will take care of me or you know my family will take care of me but they take a more active approach and we're talking about the healthier peace makers over here right they take a more a, a, a more proactive approach uh, to advance their own agenda and to be mindful of their own goals rather than to, to just identify themselves as part of a community mm-hmm. uh, or to identify themselves as part of a, a wider network but they also identify themselves as individuals and so in in your example, if you're thinking of making your own investments um and picking your own stocks then then you're you are more assertive than a regular peacemaker who may just decide to Uh, We'll just buy an index fund and be done with it because I want to enjoy peace of mind, you know, (laughs) and stress out myself, you know, I want to live with ease. And I think that's fair, too. You know, I think as long as we're aware of what we're doing and why we want to do the certain things that we do, it's very
0: informative. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until monarch money. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's m o n a r c h m o n e y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, yeah, that is. So how can people use these kinds of personality tests to, I guess, become better investors? Or, you know, maybe that's too broad of a subject. Maybe how can they use that to narrow down what kind of investor work best for them, whether it's more passive investing, whether it's more active investing or, you know, any of the other million myriad of different types of investing you could do. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I
1: think the personality typology helps to kind of clarify what may be some of the more latent drivers that you may have in your psyche. And what I mean by that is that we think we know ourselves because we inhabit our bodies and our minds and our, our hearts 24 seven, right? But I think we, we all have a way of managing our own personal biases as well, you know, and, and in a way that, you know, we tell ourselves a lot of lies of who we are versus who we really are. And, you know, one thing good about taking, um, personality tests or doing any kind of inner work or being, being guided by any kind of theory is that it, it helps shine a light uh, objectively on some of the hidden biases that you may be operating under. And so, you know, referring to a theory, not just the Enneagram, but any theory in psychology allows you to kind of be more self-aware of some of your pitfalls or blind spots or fixations that you may have. And by knowing all that, you are able to kind of decide or make a more informed decision as to, okay, maybe what are some of the guardrails that you should establish in your investments? I think that's very important because guardrails are actually quite key to prevent any kind of fatality in the, on the investment journey, right? right? And then also what are some of the things that you may be more used to doing, but at the same time, if you were to stretch yourself a little bit, you could do a bit better. And, and by doing so, you also develop yourself as an individual. So I'll refer back to my own self. You know, I think that that is probably the most relatable to me and to people who are listening to this, is that being a five, I think my worldview is to be as self-sufficient as possible. You know, it's almost to a point of being isolated within my own mind and maybe to a certain extent in my own world. So a visual kind of uh, cues, you can think about somebody like Charlotte Holmes, for example, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's known as The Investigator, which is also another name for a type five. If you watch any of the Sherlock Holmes movies, you realize that he's quite a loner. Yes, quite. <laughs> quite yeah. a loner. And, you know, it's a way that, you know, I've been and it's a way that I was raised or the way that I, I, I grew up. And, you know, I, I guess in, in the beginning, when you're young, you don't really know what kind of drivers you're kind of operating under. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think for me being downside protection is very important and uh, you know looking back now i can see why i would make up a bunch of excuses not to invest in anything i would only invest in treasury bonds when i first started working and you know oh. i was in banking so you know obviously i earned more than what i needed in terms mm-hmm. of expenses and you know type fives usually are <laughs> frugal so we don't really <laughs> spend too much money on ourselves either <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't want to take any risks with any of my investments and I would save up most of my wealth or you know, in just in savings bonds or, right. or or treasury bonds. So I think for somebody who is a type five, you know, there is a realization that hey, you know, maybe the world is not so unsafe after all, you can mm-hmm. afford to connect with what is going on in the world and take some risks. And I think the easiest risk to take or the most uh, kind of like easiest thing to do to kind of break out of that mold is to maybe buy a home, you know. Right. Home ownership is a great way to to take a first step into the investment world. It's a step into adulthood for many people as well, you know, that sense of self-possession. And that was what I did. I think my first investment was a home. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So I kind of want to, I guess, dive a little deeper into the biases or the blind spots. Yeah. Because I think that when you were talking about how we feel like we know ourselves because we're in our skin 24 seven, I think the blind spots, I think, are the, for me, are the things that are most revealing. Like the things that you just don't, because like you said, we tell ourselves lives about our our personalities (laughs) and what we're really like. But it's the blind spots, I think, is where we can really grow as people. Yeah, as people, but also as investors and kind of uncovering those. That's what I liked about the test was that, you know, when you're reading through your descriptions and whatnot, it kind of focused on some of the biases and blind spots. So
1: what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com.
0: I guess, how do you learn more about those and then how do people use those to try to I guess improve? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well I think first of all it's a lifelong process. I think we're constantly discovering ourselves. It's never a sit and done kind of a checkbox that we can undertake. And you know we're constantly evolving as well, right? So you whilst you may think that you've done all the inner work that you need, but you know, mm-hmm. sometime later you're gonna be a slightly different person and then you discover more about yourself because things get introduced yeah. and they interact with your existing infrastructure and things change. Yeah. But I mean, the your core personality doesn't change over a lifetime. You can become a lot more nuanced and you can adopt personality traits of other types. There is always like the operating system is always going to be either a Mac <laughs> or Windows. Okay. You, don't right. see okay. <laughs> you can get upgraded over time and become right. more and powerful. But, you know, you're a Mac, you're a Mac, you know. And I think for anyone in general, I think, you know, just taking a moment to kind of like pause to think about, oh, you know, what's driving me to do that, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, being exposed to different kind of theories and reading about the Enneagram or even the myers breaks or, you know, any kind of psychological theories helps us understand ourselves better. And, and we need to kind of like correlate to our actions. One thing that I've learned about myself, um, in recent years is that you know i think i ever since i got into investing so you know overcoming the inertia of not taking risk and then you start to take risk by you know I, I started buying my own home and then i bought an investment property and then i bought more i started to focus more into my portfolio but one thing i realized about my past history is that i tended to go more for the you know like the smaller names the more obscure names You know, like typically avoided the bigger names, you know, Mm -hmm. or, you know, because I think for me, it was almost like, oh, you know, those are not intellectually stimulating enough. (laughs) (laughs) So you start looking for like the more obscure ones, but then you realize that, oh, you may be digging yourself into a big hole because, you know, you're exposing yourself to a lot more risk and you don't know what you don't know, right? So you can start buying the smaller microcapitalization stocks or you start to get into a fancy way of investing then it becomes you're opening a new can of worms so to speak right so i think that's sort of like i started to to realize that oh no you know maybe i'm getting a bit too esoteric with my approach Mm -hmm. and it's not really about risk management or portfolio growth anymore. It's more about my ego wanting to be proven right. I ask myself, like, what's really driving the bus over here? Is, is it logic and reason, which I like to think that it is, or is it yeah. something else altogether darker and a bit more shadowy, you know, in terms of intent? And I think we all, we are all multifaceted, right? So there's no, mm-hmm. we're all deeply flawed as human beings. So yeah, it's like, uh, yeah journey. And, and so it's important to kind of have guardrails, right? So I think for me, it's like, okay, I need to make sure that most of my, my net worth or my portfolio is in like the more vanilla, boring stuff that, you know, it's, it's not too intellectually stimulating, but it's okay.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember, I read something not too long ago that when we talk about portfolios and investing and whatnot, we don't get style points at the end. You don't get, you don't get more money at the end of the journey because you did it the hard way or you did it more complicated. And sometimes, you know, I think people get, you know, it's not intellectually stimulating to invest in, you know, pick companies A, B and C or, you know, this type of fund or whatnot, but it's not about style points. It's about what is, like you said, what guardrails and what helps you get to where you need to go and that's why i think these personality tests can really be helpful because it can help you kind of define what kind of investor you want to be and how that can help shape you
1: yeah i mean the last thing you want is to be driven by certain biases that you know are basically the result of your childhood coping mechanisms mm-hmm. and that you continue to be operated under that paradigm for a long time without realizing. I think we all fall victim to that. Okay. I think for the longest time, I, I, for one, just wanted to cling on to everything, you know, of, of losing my autonomy and my independence. Mm-hmm. But that itself is like a different story to be explored altogether.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, I when I worked at Wells Fargo years ago, they made us take the Myers Briggs test, and I remember when I took that, some of it. My manager sat down and talked to me about it after we were done with the test, and he's like, "Yeah, I think some of this is right, but some of it I don't think fits you at all." And we were talking about like some of my, I guess, blind spots, and you know, he was really good at bringing out things that maybe I wasn't thinking of or I wasn't particularly good at. And so instead of focusing on the things that I was really good at, we spent more time talking about the things that I could try to improve upon, which I yeah. felt like made me a better, a better, you know, employee and also a better person. And I kind of like that. So it was, uh it was always interesting. It is, it's hard to look at yourself and look at your, I guess, weaknesses and be comfortable with that. But that's, I think the best way to grow is by embracing some of the things that we're not good at and trying to get better at those
1: yeah but at the same time we also have to acknowledge that not everyone i mean like we all have had different childhoods and different kind of caretakers and caretakers are never perfect right and so Mm -hmm. i think when we acknowledge our weaknesses it's also good to kind of correlate to how those weaknesses were formed and a lot of them are actually related to our experiences growing up and, you know, the, to, not to say that, oh, we should point the fingers at anything or at anyone, but to acknowledge that, hey, you know, certain things are attributable to certain experiences in the past. I think it, it actually makes it, I think it makes it more amenable to kind of self-acceptance. And then with that, you can kind of like, oh, okay, you become more aware of your trigger points and why those trigger points happen. And subsequently being able to kind of like work on complementary traits to kind of, bring balance to some of the things that may be you know off kilter in some way within the psyche so it's like a digging into another layer altogether but it's it's worthwhile you know
0: if you're listening to investing for beginners then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances everyone's talking money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner shana game Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have, I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy, one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it totally is. It totally is. You know, I I think the for me, the focusing on the areas that I'm not good at kind of stems from just to give you an example. When I was in college, yeah. uh, I was a music major and I started late. So I didn't really, I went to college to be a baseball player and study history. <laughs> yeah. and, and then I got into guitar because I hurt my knee and I needed an elective. And long story short, I started behind the eight ball compared to all my other peers. And so I practiced a lot. And one of the things that I had a really good friend that he and I would sit there and we would pick apart our playing such that we would figure out exercises to work on to improve that particular part of our playing, and we would spend more time working on that than the things that we did well, because we felt like, kind of to use that Buffett phrase, you know, the the rising tide would raise everything else. So yeah. if we got better at our worst parts of our playing, the rest of our playing would improve. We would literally—I still have this little sheet. It's crazy. <laughs> I had this little sheet where we figured out the different ways that you would pick a string and the different yeah. motions that you would have. And we would he and I worked out a two hour a day regimen of five minutes each of each particular stroke that you would do with your pick. And we would figure out all the different manipulations and, and combinations and practice all those. And yeah. you know, after a few years, you know, my picking technique, you know, skyrocketed. But it was just that was it made sense to me. My friends all thought I was nuts. <laughs> to sit there and practice these little minute things for so long, but that's what helped me become a better guitar player. But it was my focus on the things I wasn't doing well, as opposed to things I was doing well, that really kind of drove that. And that's one of the things that I guess I think about sometimes with investing is like, I don't know nothing about commodities and it's like, okay, maybe I should really dive into my commodities to learn more about it, but I haven't done that yet. But anyway, it's just, <laughs> it's just kind of the way my personality is, is built is to, find the blind spots and then try to fix them.
1: Yeah, I think that's really uh, constructive as well. I mean, the sense of efficacy that comes from the belief that you you can make a difference, you know, to mm-hmm. whatever shortcomings that you may be experiencing. I think that that's a good skill to have, you know, for anyone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, what are some of the challenges of using a personality test like an enneagram to become a better investor? Like, what are the things that you feel like that it can help you and maybe some of the things that can help you overcome?
1: I think the theory itself, I mean, it's intuitive, it's pretty, you know, reader-friendly, or, or at least some of the textbooks are pretty reader-friendly. But I think taking the first step and trying to understand where the theory is coming from and recognizing the the value that the theory might bring as an objective kind of uh, point of reference, I think that's sort of like the first big step, the willingness and the Mm open-mindedness to, you know, looking at yourself in a different way via a framework, an objective framework. I think that's the most important thing or the most important hurdle to overcome before you can actually benefit from anything. I think that's important. I think that's the reason why I I started this uh, website, decided to write, you know, a manuscript on the subject because I do think that the theory is a bit niche. It's not as you know, obviously not as popular or famous as the Myers-Briggs theory. And and but at the same time, I feel like, it, you know, if you dig into it, you realize that it's not too difficult to kind of grasp mm-hmm. because it's built in a pretty intuitive way. And I do think that it is pretty accurate. In- I agree assessing people and you know i think individuals are different you know we all i understand that people are very different but at the same time we are also very similar in so many different ways i mean first of all the biological parts are all the same yep and the three faculties are the same you know we have the heart the, the mind and the gut instinct that drive us all and being able to to discover this theory that sort of like breaks it down in such a way that is, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me helped, you know, in, in my own understanding and driving me in a, in a direction that made me even more curious about psychology and wanting me to, you know, wanting to explore clinical mental health. I think that whole experience has been very positive. I mean, I'm, not only did I raise my self awareness and see the correlation between my investing actions and, and the theory, but it also made me want to, you know, write a book and establish a blog and to really talk about it with more people and and to, you know, like investigate different types and talk to people about their investing habits and their investing behaviors based on the typology, really just diving more into it. I think that has been great.
0: Yeah. In the time that I've discovered it and, you know, the times that we've talked about it, it's, I mean, it's fascinating to me. And I think one of the things that, a big reason why i wanted to to talk to you today was because i think that investors spend so much time worrying about this investment or that investment that they don't think about the psychology of it and i think that is so much is almost if not more important than whether this company is generating cash flow or that company is not (laughs) i mean i mean that's important too but i think you know after reading some of especially a lot of Charlie Munger not so much Warren but Charlie Munger he talks so much about the psychology of investing and and this is all related to that and I think the better that we can think about things and understand ourselves I think the better investors we can become and like you said learning our risk tolerances and what we can and can't handle I think goes a long ways towards success in investing in the long term.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, no, but at the same time, we didn't beat ourselves up just because, no. you know, yeah, just because we are one type or not the other. I mean, not everyone is Warren Buffett, right? And not everyone mm-hmm. is, is uh, Charlie Munger. Nope. It's okay. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, they belong in a certain typology and they have their own like construct. We can all still take charge of our financial destiny you will by exercising the skills that are innate to us and making sure that we don't fall into the pitfalls uh, that, that our, our typology is more susceptible to you know and mm-hmm. i think that in itself is valuable there are the personality types that are very aggressive you know they mm-hmm. want to rest. they want to skew their portfolio in a certain way i think that's fine but you know is, is that because of a conviction in in those portfolio picks, or are they doing it for other reasons, which are more innate to their psychology than than anything? I think that's something to kind of ask ourselves all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas right. you have on yeah. the other end of the spectrum, you have people who are very conservative and they only want mm-hmm. to do certain things or not do certain things. So mm-hmm. is that driven by something else altogether? I think those are questions that are good to ask, you know, ourselves sometimes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I think, I think they are very important to ask ourselves. And, you know, the, what is that phrase? You know, borrowed conviction is very hard to, you know, maintain. And I think mm-hmm. comparing or like you pointed out, comparing ourselves to, to Warren or Charlie or those other people, we can't do it because we're not them. And yeah. likewise, you know, they're not us. And so we have strengths that we need to embrace. And I think that can help us in the long run. If we just realize, I mean, it, it's great to learn from other people, but. I think you have to understand who you are and what works for you, and try to make that happen. And I think if you do that, you'll you'll you things will go well for you.
1: Yeah. So that that's the kind of like the primary pieces of of the manuscript that I'm writing, which is kind of realizing who you are as a person, and then finding a way that that suits you a bit more. But at the same time, being aware of the the pivots that we need to make in order for us to develop more. I mean, just because you're a peacemaker, for example, doesn't mean that you should make peace with everyone and make peace without trying to exert your own sense of agency, right? Because Mm -hmm. we all want to develop in ways that kind of complement our strengths, but also make up for the weaknesses uh, at the same time. So uh, that's the premise.
0: Yeah. So we've spent a lot of time talking about the different tests and whatnot what are some resources like if somebody's sitting here listening to us and go man this is awesome like where where can people go to learn more about this where can they take tests like how can they discover more about what we're talking about
1: well so my website enneagraminvesting.com it covers a good amount of materials on the subject I started it not too long ago And you know, I have a free test, you know, which is quick and easy and doesn't cost Mm -hmm. any. You know, it's it's a lot faster than standardized (laughs) tests out there, which is um, you know, which are good. But my purpose is to kind of like just kickstart the discovery process, right? So, so on my website, you can get a free test. And then once you know your typology, you can read about the descriptions of each type and how it kind of leads into investing behaviors as well. You can see the investor profile for each of the type under the Enneagram construct. And also, I've I you know I've written quite a number of articles that goes deeper into into each type and you know some of the personality traits, you know, and some of the the more nuanced behaviors of each investor type. There are a lot of resources out there for Enneagram. And, you know, some of them are very interesting to read as well. You have Enneagram websites that cover, you know, like movie characters, you know, for example. So that Mm -hmm. brings a bit more uh, levity to the whole subject if you're able to look to explore the typology through entertainment, you know. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, right? Because in psychology classes, sometimes rather than looking at real life cases, you may decide to refer to a movie and... So let's break down that character and, and look at the psychology behind that character. And there are also like, you know, real, like not real, but extensive Enneagram tests that you can take that I've taken and some of my friends have taken. And those are very informative because they break it down into different um, aspects of your personality as well. Not just knowing your type, but how you kind of function, you know, in terms of your different sort of uh How you resonate with other types as well and what kind of coping mechanisms you employ you know when you don't get what you want when you want to get what you want those are some of the more elaborate tests in the market out there yeah i think those in combination is is quite a start for anyone i mean Tens of books to read as well on the subject. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there is. I poked around a little bit. I started to kind of peeling a little bit of the onion and it's like, there's a lot here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. yeah. But your website is a great place to start. It's like you said, the the test is easy to take. It's free. And it was very informative. And I like it because it reveals who you are. But it also shows like, you know, some of the biases and some of the blind spots you could possibly have. But it also shows some of the potential you could have to like you said to you create your own agency to do things that maybe you feel like you aren't doing so i really yeah. enjoyed it it's yeah. it's really cool yeah
1: yeah Yeah, all types are equal, you know. No one type is better than the others. Although some types might think that they are. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is why they're that type, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. We 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 can all make peace with ourselves and, and, and and also agree that with by you know, by identifying our strengths and by avoiding certain pitfalls, we can all have our own, you know, happy endings, you know, as far as the financial journey is concerned. Yeah, yeah. We, we need not be Warren Buffett and we definitely don't need to all buy Bitcoin to be the brand and bold. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nope. Yeah. No, totally, totally agree. Yeah, that's
1: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that Matt Damon uh commercial for crypto.com?
0: Oh yes. Fortune yeah. favors the bold? Fortune favors the bold. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean that's you know, don't don't copy that. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: No, no, for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a whole other can of worms. All right, folks. Well, with that, I think that's a great place to wrap us up. So we'll go ahead and wrap up our conversation with Benjamin today. Uh, I really want to thank Benjamin for coming and talking to today. This was awesome. I, I learned a lot and I know you guys will too. This is going to be a fantastic resource. I will put all the links in the show notes that we discussed today so that you guys can take the tests as well and help yourself become better investors. And so with that, I will go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. Have a great week and we'll talk to you all next week.
1: We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven steps to understanding the stock market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time.